0: You're listening to the Even Odds Podcast on the Constricted Criticism Network. Here are your hosts, Mason and Trey, and thank you for rolling with us.
1: To the 11th episode of Even Odds podcast. I'm your meme host, Mason. and I'm joined by Mega Mind Trey.
0: How you doing, buddy? I'm all right. Happy holidays, everybody! Yeah, man, it's the day after Christmas. It's an exciting time. The world is lit up and feels uh, festive and joyous.
1: Yeah, we're about to get really drunk. Woo! Ooh, I love
0: drinking. If you know me,
1: uh, again, <laughs> so much. <laughs> uh, no, but we have a pretty exciting episode. We had um, some questions kind of asked to us almost like a Patreon-only kind of, like, question thing. And we are like, man, these are some really good questions, but we don't, like, we don't know if we can talk about them enough for, to have, like, you know, 45 minutes worth of content. But we realized, well, we can do these questions, and if we have multiple of them, we can make an episode out of it. So we have three questions from people that kind of asked us things, and we've already responded to what we thought would be good for the podcast. And then we're going to kind of do a year interview and look towards 2019 for not only
0: even on podcast,
1: but for magic for us in general. But first a word from our sponsor.
0: Hello, fellow Magic competitor. If you're like me, and I think you are, you've been neglecting your responsibilities and schedules laddering on Arena until the wee hours of the morning. What fun! But, oh no, you forgot. Your house was selected randomly to host the holiday extravaganza for your family and friends, and they're expecting a feast. What to do? There's still a chance to save the day by running out to your local food chain location to pick up a bottomless mist hollow bird bucket. The magical bird bucket is very expensive, but it refills every time you take the last piece. Feed the multitudes this holiday season with the bottomless mist hollow bird buckets from your local food chain today. I, I'm i sorry to laugh there. I was just thinking about <laughs> Lois
1: from our party after the food chain. And just, she, what a hoot, Lois. <laughs>
0: she loves those bird buckets. <laughs> she really does. But, uh,
1: Trey, <laughs> Trey, let's hop so, right into the questions. <laughs>
0: yeah, so uh, our first question, uh, so we got a question that said, so I realize after I make errors that I made them, how do I start to recognize my own faulty play patterns and habits and start to improve so I can keep my play tighter? Awesome. Well, I think that's a pretty good
1: question. I'll kind of lead us off there, I guess, and then I'll get your opinions on it after that. But one thing, and this is a thing that can be hard, right? So, like, first off, it shows me that you are practicing and playing kind of, like, with intent. Right? So you're doing that part, which I think is really important. But you're noticing that you're making errors, but you're not noticing them until it happens. So one thing that I might say that might help you, and PV talks about this a lot in his Spikes Academy and just in magic in general, I think he mentions it some on pro points, where he like thinks the way PV plays magic is he doesn't do anything. He thinks through his whole turn exactly what's gonna happen, as much as you you know you can, right? And then he does the actions, right? So if your opponent's tapped out and you're going to play, like, three or four cards, PV goes throws his head, like, what's it going to look like with all those cards? And he's like, ba do ba do ba you know? And, like, those kind of things. So it sounds to me as, like, maybe one thing that would help you as if you stop and you do that same kind of thing. I've been trying to do that a lot, especially uh, with decks like Spirits, right? Where it's like, do I play a Lord? Do I attack? Do I do this? So I cast a main phase, or so I cast a on their turn. I kind of, like, think through, right? And even with that deck, I'll even think about, like, would I spell Queller this or that on their turn, assuming nothing happens on this turn type of thing? So I think that's really important. Trey, what are some other things that you do to help with
0: this? Yeah, so the, the first thing is, again, I'd like to... Second, what is saying is that you're on the right track already by recognizing that you're making mistakes. Like, that's the first thing. Because I think a lot of times people don't look at, back at their games enough or think about what it is that's happening. And I think one of the things that you can do is looking not only at the games that you lost and asking why it is that you lost those games... But looking at the games that you won and also seeing whether or not there are mistakes that you made in that. Because just the fact that you had a good result doesn't mean that you played optimally. Like, nobody's ever played a perfect game of Magic. It's not going to happen likely. It's a very hard game. But, you do it all uh, the time with Amulet. Uh-huh. I turn two people every game. Uh-huh. It's, like, so easy. <laughs> but, but looking back even at the games that you won and seeing what it is that you did wrong or could have done better uh, in some way, you know, in trying to make those decisions. And the second thing is, too, is looking for patterns. Like, are there things that you're, you're making the mistake over and over and over again? Because then that's one of your leaks in your game. And that's something you really need to try to focus on to try to shore up. Um, and the other part of it is, too, is that I would say is that don't beat yourself up about it. Like, it's a hard game. You're going to make mistakes. Everybody's going to make mistakes at some point, even at the highest level. It's, it's more about looking at finding ways to improve your game and not beating yourself up because you made a mistake. And if you take that kind of mindset, then I think that you'll start to see those improve. Yeah, I really like that, too, because, like, one thing that's going to happen
1: is, like, as you get better at magic, like, I use air quotes there, right? Like, as you try to, like, work on these things and improve and whatnot, um, you're going to notice you make more and more mistakes, right? And you're going to feel more down about yourself because, you're like, God, I'm making all these mistakes. But I'm trying so hard, right? Like, Trey, I'm putting in all this time. I'm making all these mistakes. The truth is you probably were making a lot of those mistakes before, but you weren't self-aware enough, right? Right. And so this is the thing that I think happens a lot. We kind of talk about this later in the podcast too for a question, but there's kind of like this bell curve when it comes to like awareness and magic and skill level, where like you feel like when you first start playing that you're like you're definitely making mistakes, right? Like you're not an idiot, right? Like you never right. played this game before. Like ah, I didn't know pump spells work that way, right? Or I didn't know the stack worked like that. And then like you start to play a little bit more and you start like foring F and Ms and top ending PBDQs and stuff, right? And your bell curve goes up and you feel really good. And then you're like. Oh, wait, like this is a whole other level of magic, and it kind of goes down again on like your self confidence, I would say, right? You're like, man, I'm making all these mistakes, I'm doing all these stupid things. Where well, the truth is, you were probably doing
0: even more than that before. You just weren't aware, right? right? And so ignorance is bliss. Yeah, <laughs> So yeah, you can't get mad at yourself about missing a line when you weren't seeing those lines at all beforehand. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, right? Like, like if you go to a store and there's like an iPhone 6
1: and an iPhone 6 Plus to the right, like on the other side, but you never see it and it's half off, you think, I got a great deal on this iPhone 6. This is awesome. Little did you know, <laughs> right, that right there was another iPhone you could have got. What year is this? Are you like a bargain hunt? <laughs> I've been up since 6 a.m.
0: Dude, I'm so tired. <laughs> I, I realized, I was like, iPhone 6 is like six years old, man. Forever. But but I think that the whole thing with it is right. Is like It's about recognizing what it is that's going on and then taking the steps to try to improve what it is that you're doing. And if you are noticing things that you are consistently doing over and over again, trying to shore up that part of your game and also like talking to people that are around you, you know, and, and being willing to look at the games, not only that you lose, but the games that you win as well.
1: Mm-hmm. yeah are there any other things that you can think of when it comes to helpful tips one thing that i would say is uh, and you you mentioned it too but it's looking back on your games just in general accepting the fact that like you probably made mistakes and trying to like recognize those two and like it's important to be like happy when you win and celebrate and stuff like that like there are some people i know who play magic who are lifeless and emotionalist and even when they win they aren't that happy mm-hmm. and i'm not that way so it is hard for me to not know if this is a thing that works for me or for the thing that works for most people in general. But I think celebrating your wins with being cognitive
0: of how poorly you played if you did is important. Right. Yeah. This is something, too, that I think that you can do in helping with content that's out there is that if you're watching, uh, like, YouTube videos or something else like that of somebody else playing or watching somebody else playing is that mute their commentary mm-hmm. and watch the turns and... Audibly talk out or think to yourself about like what you would do on the given turn, and then see what they do. And if those things don't match, go back and listen to what it is that they said. And then you might get different ideas and experiences about what it is that's going on.
1: I would take that to an extreme, and I would say pause the game and look like. So you have all these videos on CFB that are free to watch, like Reed Duke, yeah. C- uh, LSV, Martin News that they're playing Magic, and you can just click pause, and you can like look at their hand, and you can do the thing I said of PV, right? Right. Where it's like okay. I, I've been, like, watching this game from that perspective. I've been listening. and doing all this. What would I do here? Mm-hmm. And you just play out the turn in your head, right? And you're like, okay, I would cast this charter course. I'd probably discard a bird if I draw, but if not, I'll probably discard this land. And it's like, alright, I'll do this. And it's like, alright, unpause. And it's like, Martin uses, like, well, the first thing I do is I'm going to attack because I'm not going to cast any discard spells this turn. And he's, it's like, oh, I didn't even like, what? And then, right. like, they'll probably explain it, right? And, like, so that is, like, taking what you said, I think, to, like, a more extreme example, basically playing the game. And I think you can do that for any game where you have full information of on one side. Right. So I, the CFB videos are ones I did that a lot, especially when I was first starting.
0: Yeah, because I think it's really useful as far as like recognizing things that you're not thinking about or not doing, but it's also good confirmation too. Like if you if you work through those things and you're doing a turn and then you watch it and they do something that's in line with what it is that's going on. I think that was really good. Trey, should we move on to the next question? Sure. So the next one is... Uh, one thing
1: I, uh, one thing I keep seeing come up lately is testing with a plan. I wish more people would elaborate on that, give examples of what they did well. So this was given to a spy, a listener, and a friend after our episode with Spencer on. So mm-hmm. I thought what might be good is, because I've kind of talked about that a little bit, is to kind of get your thoughts and opinions
0: on it. Because it is harder to do this and not do a whole episode on it. Right. This is definitely the type of thing that a whole episode could be done on. But, you know, I, I'm going to try to summarize it as best I can. Is that a lot of times when people are, quote unquote, play testing, all they're doing is just playing Magic. They're just smashing games against each other. Uh, and, and that's it. And it's like, okay, well, if I get in more reps, if I get in more reps, then I'm doing better and I'm practicing and all of that. And and there's some value to that, but you're not optimizing the use of your time. You need to be going in with something specific that you're trying to work on. Like, are you trying to learn a deck that you don't know? Like, are you trying to learn the interactions? Are you trying to learn, you know, the mechanics? Or are you trying to learn the sequencing? Like, it's just a deck that you're not familiar with at all, and so you need to learn the basics of that deck. If that's what your goal is, then that you can go in, jam games, and know that that's what it is that you're supposed to do. Or are you trying to fine-tune a deck that you've had some experience with or that you're going to be playing at a tournament? If that's the case, then what you need to be doing is not just jamming games, but like trying out different cards, trying out um, different iterations of the deck and trying out different things. And Mason and I did this when we were testing recently, is that we were not sure about a particular card as we were testing for the RPTQ. And it's like, okay, well, so we were playtesting games with that card in it specifically and starting with that card in the opening hand. Because it's yep. like, well, the only par- the only purpose of testing right now is to see whether or not this card is worth playing. Mm-hmm. And so we're going to put this card in the opening hand and play with it and see whether or not it has an impact on the game and whether or not it deserves this slot. And if it doesn't, we're going to swap it out and use another card. And so, because that was the only purpose of the game. It didn't matter who won the games. It didn't matter how the things played out. It's like, is this card worth a slot? That was the purpose of the testing. Same thing is is if you were trying to do sideboarding. Like, I'm trying to work on sideboarding. And I'm trying to work on sideboarding plans. And so, it's just all about, like, what are you specifically trying to do? And so many times people get caught up in, like, I'm just going to smash games. I'm just going to play the matches and that's it. And you're not getting good information. And a good example of that would be when we were at the, uh, leading up to the last standard pptq that i was playing i was playing uh red blue phoenix is it i suppose <laughs>
1: is it what's called
0: <laughs> it is what it's called oh
1: uh, here all all God jokes
0: <laughs> and you know i played through probably like five leagues leading up to that event and i wasn't necessarily getting a winning record in those leagues because i was trying lots of weird card combinations because the goal of what it is i was trying to do was trying to tune the deck for what it is that i was trying to do and so I was just trying out lots of weird builds and I was trying out lots of weird cards because I wanted to see what the optimal build was. And my record in those leagues wasn't great, but then when it got to come time for the PPTQ, I played against four mirrors and my deck was tuned better than the decks that I played against because we spent that time like trying to figure the cards out. And so I think that that's some examples of like the best way to try to think about like testing with a plan is like what's your purpose and not getting caught up in just like I'm just going to play games and try to win games. Mhm. For sure. Yeah
1: um and i i have one example i'll throw in here though i think we'll move on i think you did a great job covering it is and it goes back to the pb thing i know i've been talking about this a lot recently but something i've really been working on is the stop and think through things right and what i was doing when trey is like Al- always has jace from prodigy on too so lucky <laughs> right it's like i was really trying hard to like stop think through my lines and like play it like that kind of thing i just talked about earlier so you know even when you're helping a friend test, you can still test and do these things as well. Right. Right. And I think that's an example of something that's been really helpful. Obviously better for different decks than others.
0: Um, Uh, One last thing too, is that if you are just going to be smashing games of the deck that, you know, one of the things that you probably should be doing is running it through a gauntlet of what the top tier decks are. Mm -hmm. Like if you're going to try to see whether or not this deck is viable, if it's something that you're not sure about you should not just be testing it against the same thing, but you should run it through a gauntlet of what the top decks are.
1: Yeah. I would also say, um, one thing that I didn't mention with Spencer is we talked about, like, uh, someone was talking to me, and they're like, man, like, I just don't get the practice I want. People just want to jam games, right? And it's like, well, they might not be playing with, like, as much intent as you, right, in seriousness, but you can still give it that respect, just like it's a tournament game where just, like, you were testing for a GP, right? Mm -hmm. And while, like, their level of play might not be up to where it should be, or, like, where it could be, I guess I should say, right? Um, You can still bring that to the, the equation. It might make them want to play better, too, right? No one likes losing. Right, And so you can do those kind of things. And I think um, even if, like, the people around you aren't wanting to test as hard and stuff, you can still play Magic card, right? So
0: yeah,
1: uh, I, I think that covers that. I hope that was helpful.
0: Yeah, great, uh, great question. Thanks, people. Yeah, thanks, Tim. All right. <laughs> next up, uh, I don't think Tim would care if I said his name. No. Yeah. Tim's, Tim's a good friend of the podcast. Friend of the show. Long-time listener. First-time <laughs> caller. That's right. All
1: right. So this one's kind of longer. So I'm going to kind of paraphrase it here. But essentially, we got a message uh, from someone saying, I wanted you all to kind of talk about risk versus reward scenario as you get better. And this is kind of the story of the example they gave. So they were playing FNM. And they won round one with mono red. And in game two, they kept a hand that was very good, but it only had two lands. And it needed a third land where they just had no chance of winning, right? And they were on the draw and they were like kind of unsure of what to do. And they thought about it and they decided, well, I'm willing to take this kind of risk. Of drawing a land in the first three turns, right? And they could probably miss one turn, for being honest, but right, the first four turns, and if I hit those lands, my hand's super unbeatable in this matchup. You know, imagine a bunch of chain whirlers against Slesnia tokens, right? Can't lose, never lost. And so (laughs) um, they kind of kept that hand, and then they didn't draw the third land, they lost, and they won game three, right? So congratulations on winning. And then um, basically, they wanted us to kind of talk about what happens with. Risk versus reward and skill level varying. And that kind of goes to the bell curve I talked earlier about, self-awareness, right? And that's kind of where I got the idea of talking about it from. So, Trey, what do you think about that? Because I think this is kind of a
0: more open-ended question. It's more like, what do you all think about that? Mm -hmm. So, so the first thing that I would say is that this is a difficult thing to overcome because as a general psychological principle, people are very risk-averse. Like the idea that they're going to miss out on something because of something that they have done um, is something that they're willing to do. But as opposed to that, they're going to lose something because of something that they have done is something that they will eat at them. Like this is just a general psychological principle. It's used a lot in negotiating. It's used a lot like in sales tactics, like that type of a thing is something that people know and and then use against people. So when making these kind of decisions in magic, it's something that you have to be conscious of and like work against and fight against because That type of thing can happen. Um, So that's the first thing. The second thing is in this specific type of an example, um, it hits on something that I think people don't think about enough, which is opening hand scenarios, is that when making a decision to mulligan, most time people are just looking about, like, do I have lands and spells? Like, do I have what I think is the appropriate number of lands and spells? If so, I'll keep. And that's it. That's the only thing they're thinking about. And what what this guy did, and what I think that people need to do more often is, like, how am I going to try to win the game? Like, is this a hand that has a plan to try to win the game? And no hand has everything you need right at the beginning. You're either going to need to draw some kind of particular spells or you're going to have to draw some kind of lands. And it's, but it's about identifying, is that is this a hand that if things line up the way that they need to, I'm going to win the game if I move forward? And if you can identify that, you might make a riskier keep because... This hand is going to line up and I'm going to win. And this has got all of the things that I need in order to do it. And so it's worth trying to take that line. And it might not work out, but every game of Magic might not work out. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. So would you say on average, like, you're pretty liberal when
1: it comes to, like,
0: well, if I draw the third land, I'll, like, I can't lose type hands? Oh, for sure. For sure? Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Um, especially because, like, I would almost rather have a hand that I have to draw the third land in order to try to win than have a hand that I have to draw the spells. In in particular, i got a lot of lands in my deck, (laughs) you know? Yeah. And especially, like, if it's not a color thing. Like, you're playing mono-red. Like, I don't have to draw a specific land. Like, Mm -hmm. i just got to draw a land. It doesn't matter what it is. Like, you know, you you have the highest percentage of drawing that than any other card in your deck. That's for sure. (laughs) Right? Yeah. So taking a risk in that direction is actually easier than taking a risk on, like, I need to draw a particular spell or a particular creature or something else like that. But I think that it's a risk that people take generally the other way. Mm -hmm. Like, they're like, well, I have lands, I kept a five lander, and now I just need some spells. And I'm like, well, odds are you're probably going to draw more lands than you're going to draw other things, um, just by, like, the way that the decks are composed. Yeah, well, like, I'd say
1: specifically, like, the cards you specifically need versus, like, lands, right? Like, if you just need lands, you're, like, your hit ratio of what's good is so much higher than, like, if you keep five lands, a one drop, and a three drop, it's like, well, you really want, like, a two and a four, if, like, you're talking about Spirit, for right. example, right? So it's much harder to hit, like, those specific things. Yes,
0: exactly. But I think that overall... Because uh, I know that you're aggressive on keeps as well. Uh, right? Yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I was going
1: to argue from the other position and then tell, like, my, the truth at the end. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah the, the truth is is that our opponents would both be uh, quite startled to know the number of one-landers that they have lost to. <laughs> I've I a lot of one-lander ops, I'll say that. <laughs> One-land op is basically, a, like, a draw tent. So right. Yeah. But what, that's what I'm saying is, is like, this scenario i think is good because your game planning like your like having intent and trying to decide how it is that you're going to win the game starts then like starts when you're looking at your opening hand and if you can't see the line that you're going to take to win the game like then there's probably a hand you should mulligan
1: yeah i agree with most of that but now let's move on to kind of part two of that question right because we have talked a lot about hands right yes but what about things like settle the wreckage mm-hmm. so what what is your general approach like it's obviously, this is an impossible question, right? I'm asking you to come up with an imaginary game set where your opponent's <laughs> made no actions for anything, right? With an imaginary hand. But how risk-averse are you versus, like, let's say that you have a board and you're playing mono-white, right? Yeah. And your opponent yeah. plays the fourth land on a Jeskai control deck, right? And at this point, we'll say in the metagame, Settle is popular, right? right? If you attack with everything, you win the game, mm-hmm. right? You can beat a Seal away, let's say, right? But if you attack with everything and they have Settle... You're down to like just one guy left. Right. Right. So, how much would you like kind of take those kind of
0: risks? Yeah. So, I think that, that walking through those types of scenarios in game is thinking about like what are the possibilities that they could have in this example. They could have Settle, they could have Seal Away. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's like, okay, if they have Seal Away and I attack like this, what happens? And if they have Settle and I attack like this, what happens? And then also looking at your hand, looking at the scenario and looking at everything else and being like, okay, if they have Settle, can I win? Like, let's say, let's say I'm right. And I play around them having settle. Can I win the game successfully playing around settle over the next, you know, number of turns or whatever? Mm -hmm. And if the answer to that question is no, push. Like, and if the answer to that question is yes, then maybe take it into consideration and do it. I definitely try to get into those situations of thinking about it. And, like, if I don't think I can beat that card if they have it, then I'm going to act like they don't have it. And if they have it, I lost. Well, them having it, I was going to lose anyway. And and so I think that that's a lot of the times the questions that you have to ask is just opposed to I think that people a lot of times stop and say well why didn't you do that it's like well they had I thought they had subtle yeah but could you beat subtle like if they had subtle could you beat it anyway and it's like well no well then screw it like let's get in there and, and try to win the game and I think when making those risk assessments it's there it, it's like people don't want to get got and it's like well if they have a counter spell or they have a subtle then if I do this I'm going to get got and it's like well yeah but if they have it you are not going to win anyway.
1: Yeah, or even more so, right? Like, think about a counterspell, right? Let's say you do nothing and you have no way to tax them at all, right? right? If you say go, right, and you do nothing, and then they say go back, they they got a free negate. Right, yes.
0: If you do actual
1: nothing and the game shape doesn't change, they got a free turn. Yeah. That's insane. That's so much value.
0: Right, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, Zero mana time block super powerful that doesn't cost a card yeah <laughs> like
1: yeah <laughs> the time block that draws your card and probably plays into your game plan on the cash flow deck seems pretty great right
0: yeah but that's, so that's the thing like you have to be willing to take risks and it's about like measuring those risks and if it's a thing where like look i'm gonna get blown out if they have this card but if i get blown out because they have this card and i don't really have an alternate line to take that's a, a winning line play into it you yep. know and if they have it, they have it. I mean, I did. This. I was playing Arena last night, and I was casting a Star of Extinction, which gives you an idea of what kind of nonsense I'm doing. And it was like my opponent had a Niv Mizzet and a Teferi and a Ralzeric and all of this stuff. And it was like didn't tap any mana; they had just yeah. open mana. And it's like I had Star of Extinction. And it's like, well, I'm probably just playing into a counter spell, and I have alternate plays. But if I can't resolve Star of Extinction, I will lose the game. So I just cast it. Yeah, and he didn't have it, and I killed all the stuff. So, you know, I think that you just have to kind of do that of, like, trying to take... I think that's the thought process, though, of, like, trying to determine, like, what risks you want to take or anything else. That makes sense. And then an additional aspect of it, I would say, too, is, like, what kind of decks are you playing? Like, is it the kind of thing where, like, okay, if I give them more turns... How much worse is it? Exactly. Right? Like, is my deck a deck that's going to go long? And if not, like, you might have to just get in there.
1: Also, I think another thing is, like, how can you tax them in other ways, too? Mm -hmm. Right? Like, we take the mono-white example, Right? If you attack with, let's say, just half your creatures, or maybe a little over half, right? And you get to where you set up lethal in two. Do you think your opponent has, like, not not just the respect, but, like, the patience to hold it for another turn? Because they could, and they'll buy, like, the same number of turns, essentially, right. right? But, like, they give you a bunch of lands and stuff like that. So you can, like, force it to where, like, you attack for nine, and they're at 15, right? And you left back the six, the seven damage, let say, that would have killed them through a away, right? right? And they take it, they fall to six, it's like, well, now I can attack with even less creatures, right, on the following turn. And it's like, it's not that much worse for me if they had this. I'm like, what are they going to do in the next turn? Because they have to leave up settle. Mm-hmm. So in that example specifically, like if you like dive down deeper, and that's why I said it's an impossible question, right? right. Like, it isn't fair to you. Right. But it's like, if you go even deeper, you can be like, well, they can't progress the game state unless they have chemistry's insight. Mm-hmm. So now I'm putting them in a position where they have the chemistry's and is still doing nothing. Because I'm assuming if they have Settle, they don't have a lot of cleansing nobos, right? Right. So it's like, well, they can't do anything. And so we're in the same spot, except now, like, I'm playing around stuff. And so when you can do those kind of things, those are the real edges. So it's important to know, like, I can't beat Settle. I need to play into Settle then. It's also important to know, like, I probably can't beat Settle, but they can't progress the game in a way that matters. So it doesn't matter that I can't beat Settle because they can't beat Board. Right. Does that make sense? So you can kind of,
0: like, you're in, like, this holding position. Yeah, so. which is a good thing, especially when you're talking about control decks. Like, the idea of taxing their turns is something that's a real mm. a real part of playing against those strategies.
1: Like Cryptic Command and Modern. Like, yes. a lot of the
0: time you're playing against a Cryptic deck, and, like, you
1: kind of have a board ready, and you think they might tap draw, for example. You just immediately,
0: like, move to combat to yeah. force their hand. Right. Yeah. So that they can't get full value out of their spells. Exactly. Or even on other things. Like, in Standard, if you're going to be playing, and you're playing against a chemist's inside deck, Okay, and you have a thing that you could play on turn three, but you think they might have a counterspell. You take a turn off and then play that same thing on turn four, so then you're taxing their chemist's turn, right? Mm -hmm. And so then they have to choose, like, is this thing worth countering or do I need to draw cards? And a lot of times they need to draw cards because they need land drops or they need something else. And so, you know, you just want to be, like, forcing those decision points, like, at times that matter. Yep. I think Monterey does a
1: great example, like, a great job of this, right? They go one drop, two drop, pass a lot of the time, right? Yes. Like, if they're on the draw... And then you're like, well I can't do much here. And then on the next turn they're like play chain like well, end of turn like burn you. You're yeah. like, Well if I counter this, I can't count what they play next. And this is a frenzy turn. And then they're like play a chain world or post combat on the next turn. And right. you're like, Well now I can't draw cards, and so like now I'm not guaranteed my Teferi or whatever. Right. And so like then you like make them make risks and you put questions and decisions on them. Right. But, and obviously they're a control players, so they're not very good. And they can't make questions. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> no, jokes aside, right? Like like you put questions on them and then that uh Makes them answer them. I th- I think that has everything I want to say. Yeah, I, I think you. so. Yep. All right. So let's move into because we want to do the the classic year in review thing for the podcast. We hope those questions. We hope we answered them. If you have any more questions or follow up to that, we'd love to hear them over at Even Pod
0: on Twitter. Uh, tweet at us, Yeah. Mason. How was your 2018? <laughs> My 2018 was good. Yeah. So, so I did a, you play any magic cards? I played a lot of the magic
1: cards. A Ooh. lot of the digital magic cards. So 2013 for me is interesting. So kind of like going through it, uh, I did fine in GPs, right? Like I x-fived every GP I played, but one, which is like good for like a consistency thing. But I was I did that like the exact same thing in 2017, right? And and in the end of 2017, I was ecstatic about that, right? Because it was like my first year of really playing competitive Magic and trying and stuff, right? And it's like when I do this, I can like get a pro point, which pro points are obviously worth hundreds of dollars they, they'd never go away
0: they're not reprinting them
1: trey why are you shaking your <laughs> head no like, I, like i'm not telling the truth uh-huh. um, but regardless um so you know that was like a good thing and i'm happy with like the fact that i'm like not like falling back and i'm still competing and i played against a lot of pros this year you know i i talk about it on the podcast a lot but like part of the reason i travel to go to these gps is to like kind of get a chance to like test myself in those kind of play environments and specifically pros and it gps this year i played against a lot of pros like you know one of the gps i played against like five of them in the tournament like and i had two buys like basically like half my rounds almost were against pros which is awesome right i came out with a winning record against them i came out with a winning record in the tournament that's good and those kind of things are good but it wasn't exactly what i wanted like i wanted some more x4s and x3s and i was in position at richmond to x uh for the event pretty easily and x3 it um and i just it didn't happen that way and it's not that I'm upset or sad with my results. It's more just kind of like, well, this is the thing where I'm being reasonable and, like, this is, like, a pretty okay record, right, to, like, have. But it's not, like, where I want to be. So it's important to, like, respect myself and not beat myself up over something like this. But to be aware that I need forward to be diligent about not being complacent with this, Right. And, like, if GPs were a big part of 2019 and we were here recording this episode then, I would not be happy. Mm-hmm. That'd be two years of me not really pushing myself. Unless, you know, I got legitimately unlucky in a lot of spots. In which case, I think I'm pretty good at helping there. Um, but, you know, but beyond that, like, I went to, I got to make a lot of friends, like, at GPs, which is, like, made GPs even more attractive than like SCG type events. Because it's like, oh, I get to go see all the cats from Proving i Bad. And so I get to see Caroline, the famous. So I can go see the CC guys, you know, Spencer, used to be Michael, rest in peace, Watsy staff, you know, cling Danny. I get to like see all these people. And then there are other people like, you know, my friend Heath now who like lives up in, I think, Baltimore or something, right? Like we got to see him at Richmond. And so like, I had a lot of, it was interesting where like Magic GPs before a thing where like you kind of went and hung out with, for, for me, it was like you went and hung out with your local friends. But now it's a thing where I feel like I almost need to balance it my time better. And I was talking to my friend uh, Daniel about this. Where it's like, when I go to a GP, sometimes I feel bad because I like I leave you guys for multiple rounds. Because it's like, well, I don't get to see Teresa in Autumn except for like twice a year, right? right. So it's like, I'm going to go hang out with them. And if I see them on the way to like the pairing board or something, we're going to like, we're dropping off our slip. We're going to probably hang out for the round. Because mm-hmm. so we just don't have the opportunity. And I feel bad at times. But like, it's made those experiences more fun and made me want to go to them more, right? Because yeah. it's like, if I go to GP Atlanta... It's obviously very close to something, right? But if it was
0: further away, it'd be like, well, I get to see Autumn, and I get to see Caroline, you know, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, so, and that's also fun, too. Like, as your network grows with that, like, if you're wanting to go to an event and there aren't people locally who want to travel, like, it doesn't feel so bad.
1: Yeah, that, that's how it was like for GP Vegas last year, which yeah. was the next thing I wanted to mention, which was probably my favorite magic thing in Vegas. Uh, yeah, I feel like I heard that so much before from podcasts and content creators, like, GP Vegas was crazy and great. And, you, know, if, you if you know me, I don't drink. I don't. Party, really, and stuff like that, and I still had an amazing time and a great time. Mason, right?
0: milk toast, Clark.
1: <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> I can't breathe with the knife in my back. <laughs> oh my! God. The blood's in my hand, <laughs> coughing it up. Uh, but regardless, you know, um, coughing jokes play really well in your ears, I'm sure. Uh, but regardless, like, I still had a lot of fun hey, at the at GP Vegas and hang out with people, and I was able to do that because like Spencer was at Vegas, right? And I right. was like, I can go hang out with this guy that I know. And, like, a friend, like, but I, like, probably couldn't have done that two years ago, right? Mm-hmm. It just would have been financially irresponsible to, like, pay for my own hotel in Vegas and do all these things and just kind of go just to play a GP, right? But when I'm going to, like, an event to, like, oh, my gosh, I get to, like, meet all the cats in person for the first time at one spot, right? And I get to go hang out with Spencer and meet him for the first time. And I get to go hang out with Michael and blah, 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 and play a GP. Mm-hmm. It was a lot, it made him very awesome. Made magic more fun. Um, and then kind of wrapping up here. Missed out on the like a PT invite. I, mm-hmm. I was like two rounds away from it, but like I well, was that two years ago? For my, I guess it was two years ago with the Titan shift I missed. That wasn't this year, was it? No, that was last year. That was last year. Okay, it, yeah. it's all it's all running together now, right. but uh, yeah, I'm old Trey, right? Uh,
0: but yeah, so regardless, um, you did have another topic that you missed out on. Yeah, I missed this out. I,
1: I lost to some luck sack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and <laughs> Trey McLornan, what a what a lucker dog. Yeah, no, but uh, you know, I like I did well at events. Like, this last RPTQ is the worst I've ever done. It's the first one I have in, like, top 32, which isn't saying a lot, right? Like, it's pretty easy to top 32 in RPTQ. I feel like I did really well at a lot of them and my preparation and everything, and I was happy with it. But it was another thing, kind of like the X5, where it's like, well, I did that last year, too, right? And even though I felt even more confident and more prepared, and I felt like my practice and stuff was better for a lot of these events than it was even the year before, which is a good thing that I hadn't really thought about a whole lot, Uh, I'm talking about the GPs. It wasn't where I wanted to be. So I wasn't super... It's nothing where, like, I'm kind of content, but I need to be aware that I can't be content, Mm -hmm. right? Or the thing where I'm, like, not trying to be too hard on myself, but it's also, like, hey, like, you performed. And it's another thing, too, where it's, like, two years ago now, or I guess it's, like, a year and a half-ish ago now, almost two, where, like, I set out to, like, try and play Magic competitively, and I was, like, I had never queued for an RPD queue. And I was, like, well, I want to queue for all of them. And now they're over. I queued for everyone I tried to queue for. Which is like a you know a good thing to kind of look back on two years like that's not something that everyone can do or has done right so I think it's important to like not get too hard on myself there and I guess like the last thing to really talk about when it comes to twenty eighteen for me is even odds pod hmm. which is a crazy weird thing where like I was doing magic content for with constructive criticism and proven combatants and all that kind of stuff but that was all like not with someone local and it wasn't a thing where I was on every week or had to even be on, right, and be on top of things and come up with ideas all the time and stuff like that. And it's a completely different dynamic. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. I'm sure you're going to talk about that a little bit for yourself there too. But that and Arena, which has changed Magic drastically for me.
0: Well, the key question that I would ask you, you know, you went over a lot of different things and I yeah. thought that was all good, but it's like, do you feel like you played better Magic in 2018 than you did in 2017? Oh, for sure. Like, I feel like, I you know, like, we're always all getting better. Like, I feel like if you're
1: trying and you're trying to improve, and you're trying to get better. If you're really trying at it and you haven't hit like your ceiling, you'll be getting better. And I don't think I've hit my ceiling and I feel like I have been playing better. And I feel like I had a lot more control and I just had, I felt like I was more in control of like the cherry. Like I had the reins mm-hmm. more under my control, which I know I've said that like 10 times now, which is great. People love it when you do that on a podcast. But mm-hmm. uh, regardless, like it's weird. Cause I know I definitely played better. And it was a position where, like, in Richmond, I needed to fade, like, the perfects off a of bow courier, and then I guaranteed an X4. Right. Right? And he got the actual, like, he had, like, three hits under the bow mat and the draw set. They were all correct, and I lost, right? And it's like, I played really well that game, and I know I did, and I made plays where, like, I could set up to win, and he had to do exactly that, and he did it, and it's like, cool, that didn't surprise me or anything, which is good. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like what I'm saying? And yeah, the, absolutely. I feel like maybe I should explain that. So, Because like, I feel like it doesn't make sense if you don't know me very well. Where it's like, I think it's important to kind of like know what could kill you. And when you're surprised, sometimes I take that as you not having your head in the game. Mm-hmm. So I've lost the things before where it's like, block this, draw a card, play this, play this, you're dead. Right? And it's like, oh, I didn't even know that could happen to me. But in this thing, it's like, well, if they hit exactly the one, their last wizard's lightning or their last lightning strike in their deck. And they draw another haste creature. I'm dead. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what happened. And they pop off the bow of my Courier with one of the two cards in there. And, that, and that's how I lost. That's fine. Like, I was aware of those things. Mm-hmm. And so that that was okay for me.
0: Um, where maybe 2017, I might not have known that. So. Yeah. Well, I think that this hits on a key thing. And this is something that, that I think a lot of people don't necessarily think about. You can have a lot of great things happen in a game that you lose. Oh, yeah. for sure. Like, some of the magic games that I'm most proud of that I've ever played are games that I didn't win. Mm-hmm. And just because, you know, I did the things that I was supposed to do, I felt like I was like present and I was in it and I was making good decisions and I was playing around the things I needed to play around. And then it just didn't work out. Like the cards didn't come or whatever. But it's like, you know, I could look at that game and be like, well, I I bought myself five turns I shouldn't have had, you know, mm-hmm. or, I, you know, whatever the situation is. Like just because the result wasn't there doesn't mean that I wasn't playing good magic. Right. Mm-hmm. And so same kind of thing. Right. Like you were playing good magic. You put yourself in the position to win and it just didn't come. Uh, I, I think that that's something that's that's huge. Um, in talking about my last year, um, overall, I did not play as much Magic uh, events as I would generally like to, or that I normally do. This was a big year of transition for me, uh, from a personal standpoint. Um, for uh, the, there could be uh, you know a lot of listeners here who don't know, I was a, a litigation attorney for over a decade, and I have left that profession. Uh, in order to uh, run a film production company and make movies and then also to play magic and make content. And so as a result of that transition, that was a big time uh, thing that took away. And I had to spend a lot of effort on that, that I didn't get to travel as much for events as I would normally like to. However, I was still actively involved in competitive magic, mostly by helping with the team, uh, the testing team and like the prep team and stuff like that. And one of the things that I was really happy with, with 2018 was that I think that our testing team that like, this was our best year working together as far as prep and everything else. I think that, you know, we've only been doing this for a short time as a group and that this year we were starting to hit more of a rhythm uh, than we have in previous times. And I thought that our prep was much better than it had been in previous years. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, you know, you and Ellison and, and Hess. Like, that I thought that we really, like, started to congeal, you know, in a team setting. And that's something that I was really happy with. Especially leading into this last RPTQ, I thought that our prep was very good. As far as, like, events that I did play, I played a couple of GPs. Uh, you know, they were a lot of fun. Uh, my results were not particularly <laughs> remarkable in either of those. Uh, and then RPTQs. You know, I, I same thing with Mason. I've I played in all the RPTQs that I have tried to qualify for. And I... um uh, lost in the top four of two of those this year, which was a hard pill to swallow. Um, you lost like the, the win bite. The win and end. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah so they were small. They were small, and it was the, uh, the only top two were going to qualify. And, and so that was the way that they were structured. Uh, one of those was a miss by one person, <laughs> as far as the count was concerned. That's uh, the one where we played in, right? That yeah, is yeah, the one yeah. that we played in, and it was hard. I beat Mason in top eight, and then I lost in top four. Beat, got lucky. They're, <laughs> they're synonymous. Who knows? yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, those were hard but but one of the reasons that that was hard is that both of those were games that I should have won and I made errors in. And it was something that I made the same error in uh, in different game scenarios and it was not taking enough time to evaluate the game state at, at a particular point. I got ahead of myself and it was like I could see I could see the, you know, the invite there, I could see the trophy there and it was like I was going to run and grab it and, you know, and not taking that time and taking that second like, cost me two Pro Tour invites.
1: Yeah, and things, too, where it's, like, not even, you know, specifically the second one. Yeah. Where it's, like, you know, not to be hard. I think it's for the listeners. Trey, yeah. li- they're literally after, like, I was watching him, like, Trey's going to the Pro Tour. He won an unwinnable matchup. He won the first game. Like, this guy's been being red black all day. Trey outplayed him. He got him. Trey's about to win. And there was, like, five different lines. Yeah. Five of them take you to the pro tour that I saw, and Trey found the one line that's like not even a line.
0: No, it was horrible. Yeah, and and it was a thing of like I I just got so tunnel visioned, you know, at the end of those games after after I do think playing well the majority of the day, like it wasn't a thing, you know, where it was like that way all day, but like those games as I got close to the goal, you know, I I let it get away from me, and that was a hard pill to swallow, uh, and I I I took that medicine twice uh, this year. But it was a thing that I think, going back to our first, you know, listener question, like, I think that that was useful for me. I mean, that was a thing that's clearly a problem and a leak that I had in my game. And it was something that I had to, like, spend some serious time and, you know, personal growth with in order to try to, like, address and figure out, like, that that's something that I need to work on. And that, you know, I don't have to get in such a hurry about stuff, especially because, like, I play fast i'm not like up against the clock or anything like that it was just that i got excited and i let my emotions get the better of me in that situation and it cost me you know not once but twice and it cost me pretty substantially so those were those were the big takeaways for me you know in 2018 i'd like to second what uh, mason said i've been playing so much arena like arena is great yeah <laughs> it's so much fun and i i haven't opened my magic online account Like, since the RPTQ, which I was only playing then because I needed to play Modern, and, like, that's where I could play Modern. Like, I loved Magic Online. I thought it was uh, an extremely useful tool, And but I do think that, like, it is past tense now, like, as far as I'm concerned.
1: It's an abusive relationship. It was. (laughs) that You're like, man, we can work this out, can't we? Yeah, but,
0: like, you know... You know, I knew how to do, like, tickets to get my reimbursements. And, like, yeah, I you, knew how to, you, like, you figured out the Pan's <laughs> Labyrinth that at did you go? And you felt committed to the relationship. Yeah, yeah. You had
1: a kid with her, you couldn't end it. <laughs> That's right, I made it
0: happen. Uh, uh, you know, and then also, like, uh, this podcast has been a big change. Uh, when I left my job in order to, to make movies like and play magic, like, I did not have an idea that I was going to be making magic content. You know, this is something that kind of just fell into it. And I've had a lot of fun with it. I hope that everyone listening has had a lot of fun with it because it's something that we want to keep doing and keep growing. And I hope that it's useful uh, for everybody. And it's something that's been great. You know, when I met, Mason is just like a kid at the LGS. <laughs> like I, this, this, I certainly didn't think that like three years later we were going to be making a podcast together. <laughs> I remember
1: our first game because it was insane from my perspective. Do you remember it? I, th- I think we talked about it recently, so you might have. Yeah, we did talk
0: about it. Yeah, bit. yeah. Did we talk
1: about it on the podcast. I don't think so. Okay, yeah. So like I, you know, we kind of look back. Whatever if people don't like this, they can turn it off. Love <laughs> you. Uh, so, but like my first time playing Trey, at least that I remember, we might have played before or something yeah, like that. If so, you, you destroyed me. But I was like. <laughs> I was very new to modern. Yeah, this is just like one of my second tournaments. But like I was playing mono blue Tron and I didn't want to, I think I had the Tron lands but I didn't have all the threats. Yeah. And I was been barring the store owner's threats. But someone else wanted to play the deck so we could fire. So it's like, okay, I'll play with what I had. So I had Jace memory add up, the five mana Jace. And it's funny because it's like sort of a thing where kind of like before, like you rush through things when we look back on it, right? Because we <laughs> talked about this before where it's like he rushed through something in turns and so I trade for exact lethal in turns with like the jace because i like zero jace made trade milton then i played a spell and then trade counter drew which gave me like just enough time in turns mill miltray <laughs> out <laughs> so
0: like you know just going from that to like someone that i randomly talked stone to to this now is crazy yeah yeah the the evolution of that is just astonishing and like when we did that one episode of cc i certainly didn't think that it was going to lead into you know doing this um but it's been great and, you know, the response that we've gotten from listeners and everything is awesome. And it's a lot of fun, like, making content. And it's a lot of fun, like, you know, just talking to my friend and, and doing this podcast.
1: Yeah. Coming up with content each week. All these <laughs> <videos>.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, I You know, taking on the idea of uh, writing ads every week. (laughs)
1: uh, Well, I mean, we had the sponsors. We had, like, I'm and stuff. We had to write ads for them. I know, I know. You know, they... they... come up with all these great products. (laughs) 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 Uh, Yeah, I know. But, so, Trey, I'll ask you a question before we move on to the end parts here. How are you going to fix the rushing through
0: things for 2018? Or from 2018 and past on to 2019? (laughs) You know, it's a thing that I've been trying to spend a lot of time on. And it's a thing that I've been trying to, like, think about a lot. And it's interesting because there was a moment I was watching the PT coverage at this most recent PT. And there was a a turn It was a weird, like I don't even think I've talked to you about this. Like it was a weird time for like things to like click in for me of like taking time and everything else is that it was a, a limited game. And like the board state was not particularly complicated and there was not a lot going on. And like Siggy was playing who's, one of the best magic players in the world.
1: And the best, one of the best limited players. One of the Jeez, best easily. limited
0: players in the world. And, like, he looked at the turn, and the turn looked pretty straightforward. Like, there wasn't a lot going on. And he went in the tank for, like, 20 seconds. Wasn't a big thing or anything like that. And then he did the attack that, it seemed pretty obvious, that he was going to make. But, like, nothing was lost. Nothing was, no, you know, whatever. And he reached the same conclusion that he probably would have reached on a snap judgment. But it was just like, so what? He took, like, a second just looked at everything to make sure that there wasn't something that he was missing and then, and then went on. And that was like a big moment for me. Like, in just watching it, like that I've been spending a lot of time thinking about this is like, he's one of those guys that like, he has no concern about anything else other than just like, I just want to make sure that I'm making the right play. And even in this situation where it's relatively straightforward, if I make it wrong, it's going to shift this game pretty severely. So just take a second and look at it. There was another moment in watching that of like thinking about, In that same pro tour, of like seeing uh, this was Yuya who had a turn where he swung for lethal, and it was a thing that, like, I recognized that, like, I would have reached that conclusion on that turn, but it would have taken me a lot longer than it took him, and that if I tried to make a play quickly, that I likely wouldn't have done it. Like, I likely would have missed it on that turn, but that I would have put the pieces together, like, had I spent a second and thought about it. Those are things that I'm just trying to keep in mind and like taking those things and remembering that as I go forward and playing.
1: Yeah, it sounds great. So 2019, Trey.
0: Yeah. The year of the arena. Right. What are your goals for 2019? Oh, yeah. So basically, I'm going to play all the Pro Tour. uh, Hold on. (laughs) (laughs) Mythic mythic Championships. (laughs) Wait, there's not Pro Tours anymore. Uh, I'm definitely going to do the PPTQ. There's no. But they're replacing them, right? Oh, right. Yeah. So, yeah. So with that system, you have to do. yeah, the, you there's a grind. Sack, yeah. yeah no there's a sack race, and then you have to. Like, I thought they were just going to make new PPDQs with a different name. Oh no! I remember there's like a coin flip, and then you have to arm wrestle a guy, and then you have to rip a card and see who can throw it the farthest. Fun fact: ripping a card in Vanguard, we get you banned. Continue. <laughs> <laughs> Real fact from the game I used to play. <laughs> no, I, I admittedly right now in the entire time that I've played competitive Magic this is the hardest time that I can think of of setting a goal because I don't have any idea what the system is
1: mm-hmm.
0: at any level I, I, at the highest level to the lowest level. It's also weird. I've never seen there be as many announcements that are as exciting as the announcements are that they've made recently. But at the same time, I have no idea how any of it works. I don't know what any of it is. I've been grinding arena cause it's fun, but I don't even know that that's <laughs> like a useful thing to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's just all—it's all a really tough scenario, and it's a really difficult thing to try to look at. You know, uh, it, it, it's never been a better time to be a Star City Games grinder. I think that it is right now. Maybe that's, hashtag not sponsored.
1: <laughs> so that, that's the thing that I don't like. You know, I we, I like I wrote some notes about this kind of stuff to have my thoughts for 2018 order, and I wrote for 2019, I put who the I don't want to edit knows SCG tabletop arena all caps. What am I supposed to do? Right. And so it's a thing where it's like. We had a conversation about SCG, you know, at the uh, around the RPTQ and stuff like, are we supposed to be doing this? Right. And it's like, are we supposed to be? Like, I find it hard to believe that there's no gold level replacement. There's no silver level right. replacement. Because they basically took platinums, cut them down a little bit, and made that the top 32. Right. But it seems absurd to me that there isn't a gold level or a silver or a bronze to shoot for. Right. So it's like I'm in this weird holding position where I can't really set goals that are related to that. Right. I can set goals related to playing in magic and stuff. Try and make a run at like the SCG tour, right? And I like put up some like top thirty twos or whatever, right? And it's like this Magic Arena stuff comes out, and like they start announcing it in like February and uh, April and March, right? And it's like, oh, I should be doing that, and it's like, why I just wasted all this time and money, and like not really a waste, but like you know, like I kind of made a run at this, and now I'm like divided up, and it's really hard to know what to do.
0: Right, because it decides like if you're going to make a run at SCG, like you essentially like got to give it a year. Yeah, you know, or... just to
1: like even kind of get in. Which, That's like, right. The SCG. That's right. Yeah, and then you could probably make a run for a player championship. I I find it really hard in theory to do without having one of the teams that's, like, you know. Like, Tan and Grace, Joe Lissette, Ross, Mariam is a pretty, like, stacked team for, like, an SCG tour.
0: Right. Yeah, for sure. It's a thing that you have to really, like, do. Because, you know, SCG grinding is what I did before. Mm -hmm. Like, before I did, uh, you know, trying to make pro tours and stuff like that. And, like, if you're going to do it, you do have to kind of do it. And, like, splitting time between it, like, you can have some results and you can do some other things. But you're not going to actually, like game ground on the uh, on the tour and yeah. you're not going to be playing in the players championship or doing any of that other stuff
1: yeah and you're not going to get buys and stuff like that which is huge you know? it's huge and for me too you know I'm just going to say this I think it's overplayed how much worse SCG players are than GP level players yeah right I think that's like a I think I, I think GPs are definitely harder than SCGs. a lot of like like, Oliver Tomiko was tweeting with Corey Bymaster about, like, maybe we should be playing SCGs kind of, like, as a half-joke, it felt. Like, I don't know the context of it perfectly, but, like, it right. felt like a half-joke to me. Right. And it's like, well, if I travel these things to play against pros, and you're telling me I can play against probably a similar number-ish, right? Right. And the SEG pros are still pretty good. Like, they're, they're not re but they're still really good at Magic. I play against them, and I get more money when I finish well. Like, and X5 and SCG is, like, $100. Right. Right? That's a big difference between $0. Right. So... Well, and
0: it also, you know, some of the top players came from that, yeah. right? Like, Brad Nelson was an SCG guy. BBD. BBD, Jerry Thompson. Like, mm-hmm. those guys were all mainstays of the SCG circuit, like, you know, yeah. 10 years ago.
1: It, yeah, I, I thought of this even before the change. Where it's like, maybe I'm doing this wrong, where, like, I'm jumping a step on the ladder. Right. right. Where, like, maybe I'm supposed to be playing PBDQs and SCGs, but instead of, like, you know, Big Kid took a leap up to the stair, like, I'm good enough for this. right? <laughs> like, you know, I stepped up or whatever. But I don't know, it's all crazy. We're not um we're getting kinda of long in the tooth here. Yeah. So yeah. we should probably wrap this up. Trey, if someone wants to find you and say, Man,
0: I really love Daddy's little girl after Mason's Wow Okay, and I looked <laughs> up, where can they find you? uh you can find me on twitter at trey mc uh for those that you don't know daddy's little girl is a film that i made it's available on itunes amazon <laughs> google play <laughs> surprisingly verizon fios so yeah make the most very, money. <laughs> very successful on verizon fios <laughs> who knows why
1: yeah uh you can find me on twitter at mason e clark you can find me at twitch at twitch.tv slash the mason clark we've been fogging it up since we last talked played an hour and 10 minute long game because my opponent went scooping the rope me i didn't scoop I streamed the whole thing. Let's go, baby.
0: And that was a mono red opponent. Mono like red hour yeah. and a half game against mono red.
1: Yep. Well,
0: forty five minutes of it was uh,
1: them roping me as long as possible and passing. Yeah. And so uh, you got your report, young man. <laughs> <And> <laughs> I found you after the game. I took the time. Uh, but you can also find us on Twitter at Even Odds Pod. We tweet out the episode. Sometimes we tweet out questions and stuff like that, or things related tangentially to the episode. I'll normally kind of tweet something when we come up with the idea for the episode. So if you're watching the Twitter, you can get like a little sneak preview of what's going to come.
0: Yeah. So that's
1: pretty exciting. And from all of us here, we hope you have a good last bit of your 2018 and a great 2019. Thanks for rolling with us.
0: So it's the holiday season. And so I just wanted to briefly talk about magic gifts for magic players for Christmas. (laughs) And, uh... The one thing I do want to mention right from the start is that my wife got me a deck box for Christmas with the Even odds Pod logo on it, and it's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> it's really nice. It is a wooden custom deck box from Aaron Kane custom deck boxes, and they are incredible. Like He did an amazing job, um, and it's a really beautiful piece to have. And uh, if you have any uh, interest in like wooden or high-end custom deck boxes, like Aaron Kane makes awesome stuff. And it's, he made a really great thing for this, and I really am happy with it and, and love it. Um, I also wanted to talk about, like, all of us have faced this during the years that we've played Magic, where your family wants to give you something Magic-related for Christmas.
1: Oh, man, this could have been an ad. Oh, we It could have been,
0: but it's all cut right. Cut the episode, let's re-record it. <laughs> <laughs> but they always give you something that, like, acknowledges that you like magic but is just not anywhere close to it it's like you know i had a year where i got a bunch of fat packs for sets that were not relevant (laughs) and it's like that was expensive and useless (laughs) like it was just like and so you know your family or your friends like want to give you something but it's hard to try to do it so i developed i I devised something uh, uh two years ago that has been awesome which is figure out whatever your favorite basic lands are Because you're always going to need them. They're never going to rotate out. Nothing's ever going to change. Whatever your favorite basic lands are. Whether those are unhinged, unglued, apex, you know, mirage, uh, ice age, like whatever. Like whatever your particular favorite basic land is. And then identify those with your family and then just tell them like for Christmas every year I want these. (laughs) Like whatever it is. And then you can end up building a collection of these things that you're always going to want and that you're always going to use in every deck. And then you can end up having these things that they can then buy you something, but they're always getting you something that you like. So for me particularly, that has been APAC lands, and it's been awesome. And I have gotten APAC lands like every Christmas and birthday since then, and it's been a beautiful thing. So it's something that I highly recommend as a way for your family to give you magic gifts that uh, you can actually use.
1: Also, let's not forget we're on the network before we leave here. Make sure to check out the rest of the Constructed Criticism Network, the show Constructed Criticism, which focuses on improving in magic. It's got Spencer Howland hosting with John Stern and Seth Manfield, platinum pro uh, and hall of famer and top 32 mythic player, and John Stern, a consistent uh, pro golden plat player. They're both amazing Um I think it's understated how good John is all the time. Like a lot I see people like I say Seth Manfield like oh Seth Manfield but I feel like they don't know John Stern and he's so good and you have to hear it. His approach to the game is amazing. Definitely want to check out common knowledge for all your popper action and check out Homeward Path for the dad's view on magic in life in general. Thank you everyone for listening and roll with us next week.